is Act of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Jonathan Jones. This is Jonathan Jones. Welcome to my weekly commentary and discussion. Uh, it is a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, those of you that are listening, um, there are several people from outside my church in Slayton, Texas that listen. Uh, I know that for a fact, uh, but also I think some of my uh, choir members um, in, in, in the worship ministry at First Baptist Slayton listen as well. Um, at least I hope they do. I send them links every week, and my, my hope and prayer is that what, what I say and what I teach here um, uh, helps people, that it, it is beneficial and edifies the church. Um, this is not something that is part of my uh, job duties in my pastoral ministry at First Baptist Slayton, um, but it is something that I enjoy doing and that I feel led to do. I, I um, I love studying, I love teaching, and, and I want these things that I discuss and talk about to help people. Today's an interesting day. Um, if you are listening right now, we are approaching, um, here very quickly, the 500th anniversary of uh, the Protestant Reformation, uh, the day that Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg. That was October 31st. Of 1517, and so um, I'm I'm not going to get too much into uh, theology of worship or anything today, um, because this day is approaching. And if you are a Protestant, if you are not Catholic, you are a product of what Martin Luther did 500 years ago, and so I want to discuss. Um, kind of three main points of these 95 theses that Luther nailed to the door in Wittenberg. Um, there, there are obviously 95 of them, but I see three resounding things throughout these theses. You can look up the 95 theses online, probably do a quick Google search, and you can find what these theses are and read them. Uh, they're very short, each one of them. Um, but um, Luther... I was a minister and a professor in the Catholic Church himself. Um, he did not have a complete revolt in mind when he did this, when he nailed these theses to the door. What he wanted was to make sure the church made the necessary reforms in executing a genuine Christian faith and in carrying out the message of the gospel. There were some things that he was frustrated with in the church. Uh, but these theses, nonetheless, caused perhaps the largest divide of any religious group in history. Um, and not necessarily all bad. There has been much speculation. Would it have been better for the church to unify around the essential orthodox doctrines um, rather than split? Or was it better? Was that what we needed to do to separate ourselves from um, a church and, and, and an institution that was largely uh, moving in a bad direction. If you're an evangelical or Protestant, you are likely the result of Luther's reforms that he had in mind. And so I don't want to speculate on whether or not this division was good or bad. Uh, we can discuss that, but um, certainly reforms were necessary. Um, but Luther's goal was not for the church 
to split and go in a different direction. However, that was what happened. And so as we approach the 500th anniversary, I want to give a summary of what Luther's thesis said and did for the church. So much good came out of the Protestant Reformation. Um, I was uh, uh, walking by a bookstore years ago and saw a book sale, um, old books sitting out on a table outside this bookstore. And I mean, they were 50 cents or a dollar or something like that. And I picked up this book. It was called The Heretics. And I thought, this is interesting. I'm going to take a look, look through this. And, and I picked up the book, and lo and behold, it was reformers. There was John Calvin and Zwingli and Luther. And so uh, evidently it was a Catholic book. And uh, I love my Catholic brothers and sisters. Uh, but this book was obviously written by a Catholic. Um, uh, so much good came out of the Reformation, though. And so it's important that we know kind of where these started, what Luther's ideas were. And so I want to give you three main points of Luther's theses, of, of the theses that he nailed uh, to the door. And these are borrowed, actually. I, I uh, found these on a website called the Uncommon Travel Germany website. Um, and, and I would tend to agree with these three uh, points, the three main points in Luther's theses. So the first thing that Luther, uh, you see in, in his theses are that the selling of indulgences to finance the building of St. Peter's Basilica is wrong. St. <laughs> Peter's Basilica in Rome it was largely financed by the Catholic Church's selling of indulgences. In fact, it could be said that the selling of indulgences was the final straw for Martin Luther. In fact, you see through the 95 Theses, he speaks of the selling of indulgences very, very often. He criticized the Catholic Church's approach in this era, even suggesting that the Pope himself was already wealthy. And why doesn't he just pay for the building of St. Peter's? And about the selling of indulgences, Luther said, The revenues of all Christendom are being sucked into this insatiable basilica. The Germans laugh at calling this the common treasure of Christendom. Before long, all the churches, palaces, walls, and bridges of Rome will be built out of our money. That was what Luther said. Not only was he staunchly against the selling of indulgences, but he saw a further issue in the corruptness of the practice. In other words, the Catholic Church was using um, the indulgences, the selling of indulgences, as a means for forgiveness of sin. Thus, they were, they were forcing the poor and the unfortunate to continue giving money uh, out of their money when they were already struggling so that their sins were supposedly forgiven. It would be, uh, you know, a, 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 a someone, a normal Joe off the street coming in and saying, I need to be forgiven. And the priest says, well, we need a gold altar. <laughs> can you give money? And uh, if he's rich, says, yeah, certainly I can give money. Well, you are forgiven. And if he was poor, no, I cannot do that. Well, then you're doomed. It was that type of idea. Um, and Luther had had enough of this, so he nailed the theses to the door. And thanks largely to the printing press, his theses were published far and wide, so people were able to read them. And so we might wonder why, why did he nail the theses to the church door? I know somebody came and nailed something on our church door that would be frowned upon, uh, but, but to, in short, the church door was really utilized as sort of a bulletin board for events and important items in the town. And so nailing the theses to the door ensured that people would read them. 
And then they were pulled off and, and used the printing press and, and distributed far and wide and thus started the um, Protestant Reformation. And so he made abundantly clear in his theses that the selling of indulgences is wrong. Uh, the second thing that you see throughout his theses is that the Pope has no power over purgatory. Uh, we can get into discussions of the theology of purgatory if we want, but um, the word he used is purgatory. Um, uh, essentially, the Catholic Church seemed to imply some sort of special power over purgatory um, in the way of forgiving sins. And one of Luther's significant beliefs was the priesthood of the believer. And this was an unpopular belief in the Catholic Church, even though it is certainly biblical. Uh, this is why parishioners needed to be granted forgiveness by a priest. Uh, Luther stated it this way. He said, Papal indulgences do not remove guilt. Beware of those who say that indulgences affect reconciliation with God. You see, themes of repentance are embedded deep within Luther's theses, and if you pull these up and read them, you will see that. Not only should Christians repent, but they should continue living in repentance, um, and it is not required to see a, pe uh, a priest. Uh, the Pope has no power to grant forgiveness because each believer is responsible for his or, own, his or her own uh, repentance. Luther had a doctorate in theology, so he certainly had a, a great knowledge of the Bible. And so he would have been familiar with the Hebrews' proposition that Jesus Christ serves as our high priest in Hebrews 4.14. And for Luther, Christ's position of, as high priest really negates the need for human priests we don't need them for matters of eternal forgiveness. In fact, it's sort of futile, according to Luther. Uh, while the Catholic Church continued to present a hierarchy of power to forgive uh, in the Pope, Luther went against the grain and he submitted the true gospel message, or what I would believe to be the true gospel message, and I think Protestants, any Protestant would believe, and that is namely that Christ alone can forgive. And this thought is ever-present in Protestant congregations today. This is largely a result of Luther's theses. In Luther's era, though, this was not popular. Many reformers were actually martyred for this belief during the Reformation. Luther himself was not martyred, but there were other reformers who were. And the third thing that you see in Martin Luther's theses is that the buying of indulgences gives people a false sense of security and endangers their salvation. Uh, because of the priesthood of the believer, Martin Luther realized that the astonishing truth that those who rely on the Catholic Church for forgiveness of sin are in, in danger of eternal damnation because he realized that the Catholic Church could not forgive sin. It is salvation by faith in Christ alone. As Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, we are saved by, by grace through faith. And each believer must come to the Father through Jesus Christ themselves without relying on clergy or on the church. The church is an institution ordained by God, but the church itself has no salvific power. Salvation includes a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is personal. It is between the individual and God. And so perhaps Luther saw the problem in parishioners' lack of biblical understanding. Many people were illiterate. They could not read the Bible, so they had to rely on what the clergy told them and just trust that it was correct, and many times it was not. 
Uh, mass was carried out solely in Latin during that time, while most congregants, at least in Luther's area of the world, were German-speaking. That was their vernacular language. Luther believed in utilizing the vernacular so that people could not only participate, but could also understand the Word of God and think for themselves. And so the Catholic Church during this time taught that buying indulgences played a significant role in someone's forgiveness. And now 500 years later, here we are, largely realizing that Jesus is the only one who can forgive sins. And posting this thesis and these theses on this issue, Luther was eventually excommunicated from the Catholic Church as a heretic. He took a difficult path. But he desired to preach the truth rather than to distort the gospel for his personal gain. And so there are many benefits of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, Luther was not perfect. He was an imperfect man trying to preach a perfect gospel. And his goal was not to start a revolt, but for genuine reforms that needed to be made among uh, the institution God ordained in the church. And so posting his 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg... When he did that, an undying fire was started that spread rapidly. And thanks to the printing press and many other things that I believe God set in place to use, to this day, we are still seeing the effects of the Reformation. Luther was, a, he was zealous for the Word of God and for the church's identity in Christ alone. He began a good work, and we should be thankful for that. And so as we approach 500 years since the Protestant Reformation began, we should thank God where the gospel is preached and where lives are changed. Thanks for listening. This is Jonathan Jones. Do, do, do.